0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Then I Got My Ass Beat. I'm Josh. Yo, yo, yo. I'm Neil, Man, you know, we're both fighters, dude. Why don't we have dope-ass nicknames? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, bro? What's your nickname? What's your, what, what, what the, have you ever had a nickname? Bro, so my nickname is it, cool, right? Like, But I think it's lame as shit. My nickname was my last name. Dude, they just called me by my last name. That was it. There you go. It's okay, man. It don't really feel like a nickname, you know? (laughs) Mega Ortega. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dude. Like, I'd walk into boxing gym and just, like, my coaches yell, Ortega. (laughs) (laughs) Like, nobody there even knew my first name. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's (laughs) the hell
1: of years. Nobody knew. (laughs) This is Ortega. Man.
0: But, yeah, you'd be good, dude. You. Yeah, somebody come up with some, good they you, man. Like, you would think so, man, but they haven't. Yeah. I don't want to give myself a nickname. I feel like that's lame as shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now look, like I've, like I've given myself several nicknames. <laughs> I've been lucky enough to have some catch on over the
0: <laughs> years. <laughs> um, man, we, I, we have I, a great I, episode I, for everyone today. Uh, we're talking all boxing. Top 10 pound per pound of boxing versus MMA and striking versus grappling. We're going to start this off with some quick takes. Uh, we're going to go over the top 10 pound per pound per uh, ESPN. We're only gonna spend 15 seconds on it, off the top of the dome.
1: Okay, background music, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need some drum roll, man. <laughs> All right, ESPN number one is Bud Terrence Crawford. My I take: 15 with seconds.
1: Fine <laughs> with me. Period. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So for me, Bud, super super technical, mean. It's a mean ass fighter. And he will just take away whatever weapon is your preferred weapon, will take that shit away from you. All right, number two. The monster Nail like anyway. Like
1: anyway. Anyways a He's a monster, he's precise. He dominates. God, I wish he had a a foil,
0: <laughs> a worthy foil. But yeah, I like I like Fifteen seconds. All right. So uh, I love anyway. I feel like I've been watching him for like six, seven years now. I've been on the bandwagon early on. He's a killer man, dude. He just decimates anybody he goes against. But yeah, like you, I wish he had a rival. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, Usyk. Mm. Higher yeah. than
1: I would have thought. I like it. I like it. Uh Fury's gonna be mad about that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it. I like it. It shows a little
0: artistic uh flair <laughs> in the voters. <laughs> I don't really wanna spend my time talking about Fury, but Fury's kind of a bitch for that duck in that fight. But yeah, Usyk totally deserves it. Undisputed cruiserweight. Um holds three of the four belts. And honestly, I think he would beat Fury, which is probably why Fury don't want it, even for 70% of the purse.
1: <laughs> Man, I'm taking that to the bank, too. <laughs> All
0: right, number four, Errol Spence.
1: Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, um...
1: I like Spence. I like Spence there. I like Spence there. Um, I probably would have Canelo over Spence. But that's that's <laughs> taste. If you're looking at record, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I think I would have Bivol over Spence or
0: At, you know, somewhere in there. Like, you know. Yeah, man, I I love that tape, dude. You just sound so so enthusiastic. About Spence, <laughs> I like Spence. I love Spence, but I want to see Spence. I, I want to see Spence and Bud. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I don't think Spence should be four. Yeah, I love Spence, but he, he doesn't have the resume that Bud has. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bud needs to improve his resume too. But yeah, Spence, he, he needs, he needs that big win. All right, number five is Canelo. Not at all. I mean
1: it's kinda like, you know, Vulcan UFC right now. I mean, how much do you hold against them? What happened against uh against Bibble? Um little bit. Um, I do think five and six is lower than I would have thought, but I get it. I get it. Like in the politics of it all. Um, yeah, I still think uh Canelo's probably still top two or three question is is he on his way down or out like Benavidez is going to be a legacy defining fight
0: yeah I, I agree he needs to fight Benavidez he's coming off a loss so I get why he's five and those guys ahead of him are really good I'd probably put him ahead of Spence though right. but Canelo is he, he's so good he's so good but he needs to he needs to fight Benavidez especially if he wants to move up back into that the conversation for the top pound for pound uh, number six is Bivol.
1: I like it. The only reason he's not higher is because people don't know about Bivol and people in the division, you know, in the, the the division more. You know, that I should be held against him probably at that level. But like, yeah, beating Canelo, you deserve in the way that that happened. Deserve points for that. Um, so he could be higher in my book, but like, I like where he's at. Um, he's got the resume to pass Canelo under the circumstances. Like, it's understandable why he's a spot under Canelo and why
0: Canelo's where he's at. So, I get it. But I like Bill. I like Bill. Yeah, I, I like Bill too. Um, I don't know if I put him any higher. Like, I feel like he's only that high because of that Canelo win. Definitely. And Canelo was so undersized in that fight. Um, him and beater beef 1-1A one one in that division, you know, it's super close. Hopefully they fight soon. Like right. uh number seven is Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champ.
1: Honestly, he's got a case for he's got a case for six. He's got a case to be above bibble in that. If I'm you know, from from Fury's side, and he's pissed about it. He's he's got a case. Um I like it where it's at, but like Fury's got a good case to be higher than that. For Usyk to be three and for him to be Deontay and Joshua has, does not have Deontay's resume point blank at this point the Stages they're at in their careers and their legacy is very different. So for that to be the reward for the wins for both, it, it, that uh, you know, it's deserving of a little controversy, but you know, I like it.
0: I feel like Tyson Fury's sevens good spot four. Because the thing about Usyk is he's being rewarded not just for his heavyweight stuff, but for his cruiserweight accomplishments. He was the unified champion down there, True. moved up, uh, took the Joshua twice. Tyson Fury, outside, outside of the Wilder fight, like, what are the other wins? You know? The Klitschko. I mean, I get it. I get it. But Klitschko at the end of his career, though, right? Like, right. Well, he ended his like career. It's fair to say, like, no, no Joshua ended his career because Klitschko came back and fought for the belt against Joshua after the Fury fight. But yeah, like that—that's about it, right? Like, he's fought Derek White and uh, Zora. <laughs> right.
1: I know. I know.
0: That's it, man. And he's he's saying he won't take the Usyk file let's get 70 of the purse which is ridiculous that's insane that's insane but uh, but with that said like
1: you know he say the same thing with Usyk at the green weight level like boop, you know like and then he you know he jumped up but I, like I said to me what Usyk did is definitely more impressive um yeah but you know I I could I could see why he'd have gone to people seven number eight is Peter Beef I like that. Um Peter is nice, nasty, proficient.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love Beter Beef. I don't know if I'd put him top ten, pound for pound. Um I'm not complaining about it. He's definitely he's definitely stronger than Bivol is. He's a better power punch than Bivol. But watching the last couple of fights, it almost feels like maybe lost half a step
1: yeah i don't think i watched him in as, as much detail over time as you have but i have seen him a little bit i like, like i said, i think he's very good i think you know it's it's an area where i like said in the devil don't have a whole lot of don't have a lot of people at their level you know what i mean but i think he would he would show well you know anywhere you know um but I, I like him i like him better, yeah, yeah. Those guys has done the most he can
0: for what he's got, you know, for what he's putting run up with me up Yeah, uh, at the end of the day, him and uh, him and Bibble, they need to fight. Like they need to settle that. And speaking of which, I'm gonna keep us accountable. Are we keeping it fifteen seconds? Bob, <laughs> man, <laughs> I was I, I was trying to. We did for about the first six and then <laughs> the back end is I just I just I just kinda of gave up on but we're keeping it short, right? We're not going too far into it. Uh, number nine is Devin Haney.
1: I definitely think Haney should be above B two B just for the amount of belts and where he's at. Uh, uh but yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think his next win is you know is, puts him in top five.
0: Yeah, I, I I totally agree. he Should be ahead of Peter Beef? I mean, he's a champion in one of the toughest divisions. Um, We'll see how that Loma fight plays out. I think if he beats Lomachenko, even if it's close, a win over Loma is huge. If he beats Loma, he's above Spence. Yeah, he should be top five, top six, at least. And then, number 10, Shakur Stevenson.
1: I like it because we know what Shakur is and who Shakur will be. Um, Does... Does this speak more to his potential and his trajectory than where he's actually at? Probably. Uh, Am I okay with that? Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, his placement is definitely 100% potential. He doesn't have the resume that a lot of these guys have, but for my money, he's probably the most naturally talented out of all these guys, except maybe Bud. But... Like, I'd probably say, like, pure boxing skills. He's probably a little more talented than Bud. Um, Bud has probably a little more intangibles.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. But. And Loma's not on the list, though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I might put Loma ahead of him only because I like has-
1: Canelo pure talent, though. Because get something like, Canelo is, Canelo is so talented. He, he really rarely is, yeah. but show what he, all, all his whole toolbox, you know what I mean? That's the thing I like about some Canelo. Now it's to the point, will anybody be able to bring it out? You know what I mean? Like Golovkin got him just a little bit, you see a but still, you know what I mean? Like, he's got a toolbox, though. Like, like, to me, he's maybe got the biggest toolbox in the game outside of Oma. you know what I mean? Especially now that Mayweather's not around.
0: And he adds something new. He has something new to his toolbox every single fight. Every single fight I watch, him, there's he shows off some sort of new trick, whether it's head movement, whether it's just a little like a little twitch, a little faint, like he's always adding something new to it. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Like talent-wise, the top three would are definitely Bud Canillo and Stevenson. I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like agree on that. that
0: was the ESPN top ten. So uh, I want I want to highlight uh, the Ring Magazine one. Because me, personally, I prefer the Ring Magazine. Listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, top 6 are mostly the same, different order. Uh, they actually have Usyk 1. Um, Inuways 2. They have Bud 3. you uh, give you a little four. background on Ring Magazine, because that's like OG, that's the
1: standard. That's, you know what I mean? Like exactly. I not know about what Ring Magazine was and meant, and
0: still does mean, you know, in terms of boxing and, you know? Yeah, so Ring Magazine probably has the most legacy of any boxing... Uh, journalistic um, content out there they probably have the best writers Uh, they have their own title shit man like (laughs) like, yeah ring magazine is probably the most legit boxing content out there and uh, yeah I find their top 10 really interesting so uh, yeah so back to it music was one in a way was two Crawford three Spence is four, Alvarez is five, Bivol is six, which matches the ESPN top six, just a little different order, mm-hmm. but they deviate in the bottom four. They have Loma seven, Josh Taylor at eight, uh, Jermel Charlo at nine, and then Juan Francisco Estrada at ten. Is there That's one of those guys nice you're going to highlight? That's a
1: nice deviation right there, and it's it
0: is. It's really interesting. I, this Yeah. Take it from the top. Take it from the 7th or 6th. 7th, 7, seven. It's, I don't want to cover all of them, but is there one you want to highlight? Is there anybody you want to highlight out of those? Yeah, yeah no. I mean, I, I think
1: I think, it was surprising to see Shakur over Loma, but it's understandable. It's understandable. Um, I guess if there's one to highlight, I don't want to be a hater, and I just really want to focus on the positives, but like, if I had to scratch somebody from the list, it's probably Charlo you know um on either list I think the uh, you know they just the uh, the resume, the recent fights the way that you know it hasn't been technically compared to the names on the list hasn't been dominant in the ways that the folks on the list have been does you know uh, but you know i i like i like charlo on top of the team top 10 seems like a push right now yeah i agree i agree you know, that- I'll
0: <laughs> just sleeping. I, agree. I love it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Charlo should be top 10. I want to highlight Estrada. I feel like not enough people know about, especially casual. Yeah, yeah. They don't really follow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he just recently beat Chocolito. You know, Chocolito is one of the greatest small fighters I've ever seen. And uh, Chocolito, they thought his career was dead after that first that first Estrada fight, mm-hmm. but he came back and won the second fight. But Chocolito, he put a stamp on it and closed that book. And he's taken, he's basically taken the crown of the lighter weight weight classes, unless well, you count in a way, in a way, a little bit heavier. I think he's one weight class up, maybe two weight classes up from Estrada. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, those really small guys because straw fights at one fifteen. He's definitely the the king down there. He, he's totally deserving of top ten spot. You think he? You think him in uh, any way over fight one day? I don't think so. No, just I. I see Estrada going up. I see a way going up too, probably at the same rate. I, I think it'll be interesting to see if a way ever makes it up to my uh, weight lightweight. Yeah, <laughs> <as, laughs> he'd, he'd be small for that. But like we've seen that before, Pacquiao. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it always got the talent to to definitely hold his own with those guys. Right, right. Yeah, he'd right. probably struggle with somebody like like a uh, Stevenson, be, Stevenson, yeah, yeah. just because the size and the skill. With anybody that rules, he, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think he matches up good with the other the other guys out there. Devin Haney, that'd be a good fight. Yeah, it would be Tank. That would be woo. That'd be banger. Ooh, I know. I know. <laughs> what do you think about Tank not being on either list? It's understandable. He doesn't. He doesn't have a big win yet yes um mm-hmm. even after the garcia fight i don't think that's a huge win like he's gonna have to fight one of those one of those top guys you know like the top three i think in that weight class are stevenson uh loma and Haney. i think the fight to make would be stevenson after ryan garcia i think so i was gonna say i was wanted to see how do you think how do you think it's gonna shake out
1: at uh you know at lightweight so like one of the things like, matter of fact, can I do a random little one minute thing? I want to see if we could do 15 second takes on three possible fights and a bonus. What do you think? You down? Yeah, let's do it. It's like, damn it, deal. All right, listener, you down too. I want you to take, give your takes too. <laughs> All right. So, first one is. Loma
0: versus Haney. Go. Me? Yeah. Start? You start us up. Yeah, I'm so excited for this fight, man. This is a chance for Loma to uh, to come back and submit himself as the king of this division. Or it's going to be Haney that takes that crown from Loma, and he's the one that's going to be reigning atop that division. Real top. My take, with a win,
1: Loma becomes the boogeyman of Lightweight again. He's he and you know, I think he was once upon a time, and he becomes it once again. I think with the win, Haney like this may be a crazy. Move. I think Haney punches his Hall of Fame ticket. Like he's like low level legend status. Like earlier, fifteen event. seconds still. <laughs> Loma by split. <laughs> um, let's see, and let's see. Okay, so the second one is
0: tank versus ryan go I, i'm not excited for this fight i think tanks i think <laughs> tanks gonna crush him rise has too many holes defensively tanks such a smart ring general ryan's got the speed but tanks gonna catch him uh ko in the eighth love it love that take i'm laughing because my
1: same take i care so much less now especially with loma and haney on the way Ryan actually might have more to lose if he loses this fight, which is a weird thought, but I like tank by TK8 I think once he starts breaking them down, new adversity won't be ready. Bad things. Let's see. Next one. What about this Spence Crawford redo? As you heard today, I saw the news that they, uh, they are restarting negotiations, so that fight might be on the table. It still may not be the next one because I think Spence and Keith Thurman um, have something that is in the works. But they're they're back at the table.
0: Um, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't think it's going to happen. If it does happen, I got a I got Bud decision. Bud well, by decision. My take
1: is, man, if y'all ain't scared of each other, I'm glad y'all are scared of being irrelevant. Can we go? Let's go. And like, but can you get an agent, please? And you do, please send this minimum number to Lamar. Pretty please. Let's get this going. (laughs) uh, Bonus, bonus, bonus round. (laughs) Of course. Getting
0: that little bit of Sorry, just getting the timer back up. I hope that fight happens. Canelo doesn't need to take that fight, and I don't think he will. I don't think he's ducking him. It's just it's not a huge payday, not a high uh, reward fight. But if they do, I think uh, Canelo decision. Okay. I'll go. Tough tough fight though. Like I think Benavidez is going to give a really tough fight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think uh I think Benavidez that's that's a fight for Canelo that separates greats from goats cuz I think Benavidez has what it takes to beat Canelo. I don't think he will. Um I like Canelo by decision in that, but I think Benavidez maybe his toughest test.
0: You got any more matchups you want to do real quick? Nah, no, that's it. That's it.
1: Quick, <laughs> hit We need a little thing that in there.
0: Got my. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I think Ryan Garcia is definitely gonna have a cool story about how you guys ass whooped, and maybe he can come on the <laughs> podcast and share it. <laughs> go enjoy right <laughs> we 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 go get so much hate I just think he's super overrated I don't think he, I wish this fight happened five years from now but uh but we'll see um yeah I don't know like it just drives me crazy that I talk to a bunch of casual fans and they think this fight's this close it's a, it's a close matchup and it's just it just blows my mind it's uh, yeah we gonna get so much hate from his Four billion Instagram followers, man.
1: Ryan yeah. <laughs> well, reminds me of like a team on madness. Like, got a great offense, but like no defense. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. It look Brady oh, yeah. has horrible
0: teams, but like they play a real one, and it's like, Egh. like I, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's like two thousand three Indianapolis Colts we're right. showing our age. We showing our age right now, Neil. <laughs> yeah, you know they they <laughs> absolutely they absolutely kill. It. You know, Pay Man sets the touchdown record, and they lose twenty one to three to New England. <laughs> right <laughs> like his method <laughs> right and every now and then teams like that
1: do something and surprise everybody but more and more times than that we know it happens you know yeah.
0: what exactly yeah so this episode has all been focused on boxing uh, first two episodes we did focused on MMA and uh, I kind of want to get into uh, why we will probably tend to do more MMA episodes than boxing despite the fact that both me and you, Neil, I I say we love boxing more than we love MMA. I know I do. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I kind of want to discuss why, why we just won't be doing as many boxing shows as we would like. <laughs> <And> I'll, <laughs> I'll go ahead and start. I'll go ahead and start. Right, like, oh, good. if we did more boxing shows, it'd just be about how disappointed we are that those big fights don't happen. Right, negotiations fall through all the time. Like big names don't fight each other until years down the line. Like that's that's and the big huge. one, right? That's the big one, right? Like, like MMA, they got big fight cars every every month. Right. Top two guys are constantly fighting each other. They're moving up weight classes. They, you know, MMA fighters they aren't afraid to lose to zero. Yeah, that's the true. true. The zero is huge, huge with boxers. They hate to lose it. They're afraid to lose it. You know, they'll they'll pad their fight record with like twenty five, prick taxi tax cab yeah. drivers. You know, jobbers. Like, the more you look into professional boxing, the more it almost feels like almost feels like professional wrestling. It's like a mix between MMA and professional wrestling, right? Like, you've got guys out there whose job it is to lose. Yeah, they don't throw the fight, but the more fights they lose, the more likely they are to be booked against some of these up-and-coming fighters so these fighters can pad their records. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so, for me, that's a big reason.
1: What about? I I think that's a great point. I think I do think like there's there's just more money in boxing for multiple reasons, right?
0: Number one, I want to. I I, I, there's more money, I think, for the top guys, right? Right. That's that's that that kind of that kind of leads me into another one of my points, is that mm -hmm. the undercars aren't as good on boxing cards. You know, promoters spend most of the money to book the main event, and maybe one or two up and coming guys they have on their roster, that's about it. So they don't have enough money for the rest of the fighters, you know, MMA cards, they go, what, 10 fights deep? Like we, we're, we're routinely talking about fighters on the early prelims on MMA. But let's be real though,
1: Josh, the reason that there is better competition at the MMA level is because of how the organization is ran. And because (laughs) of how cheap and how poorly the fighters are paid, and because if they if the MMA fighters could, they would graduate to growing up and being like boxing, and definitely boxing's model can evolve and get a little better. But I think the things that we see that are irritants are a result of a more mature industry that does work for the fight. But I do think, like for instance, a big part of uh, like in boxing, you have big promotion companies and agencies. What if PBC could start its own league, and it be marketable? They definitely have enough fighters. They, but they couldn't do you see what I'm saying? That model well, would they, be they, they couldn't. And like, that keeps boxing that keeps that keeps the integrity there. In, in integrity in boxing, that's funny. But that keeps the integrity there in terms of being able to, you know, being able to make sure that the money's on the table and the fighters get a piece of it. But like the UFC is basically like PVC is its own league. You know what I mean? Like it's got all its fighters. They fight in house. They fight by its own rules. You know, Bellator has got its own. and the promoters have their own league, which is cool. But it, you know, because you can have this gladiator style kind of feel and impact, and there's no ones coming and going. But like from the fighter side, the cost is right. Like to get that entertainment at that level, at that level of exchange, right? Like the, somebody's getting shafted out of it, and it's it's. It's the the fighters in this, and I think in boxing that happens less because of the maturity of the industry. I do think there's a midpoint that hopefully gets found
0: one day. I mean, I mean, it's not just that, right? Like boxing is kind of strapped legally, you know, with the All E Act and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to get into it too much because, like, that's a, that's a whole episode on its own, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to go into it because I strongly feel like MMA is going in that direction, and probably sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. the more the more fighters start to get upset about their rights right, right. You where know, you got the whole independent contractor situation you're independent but you don't have the freedom of an independent contractor right like there's gonna be a group of fighters that, that successfully sue the ufc right and we will probably see the implementation of all of a similar act of all act right that will give fighters much bigger freedom which will create all sorts of different problems that like I said, I don't want to get into. We could do we could do an hour just right. just that, you know. But but yeah, like that's that that's a big reason, you know. Unfortunately, right? Because like I said, we both enjoy boxing more than I made and I really wish we could do more episodes. But boxing has a lot of issues, and they have a lot of a, uh, they have a lot of stuff to figure out. Yeah, yeah, and like what's one of the reasons? One of the reasons for me personally that I like boxing or in the MMA is I'm just a striking guy, honestly. Right. The grappling is cool, right? Like, I, I currently am doing grappling, but I don't love it. I don't. <laughs> like, it. it's cool. Like, I, I get it. The BJJ fans and the wrestling fans are going to, like, totally shit on me. <laughs> Can't knock me off if I take you down. Yeah, There's going yeah, to we be problems right, when right, you right, go out right, to claim. Right. right I shared this link in your <laughs> <laughs> shit man like they got a problem they can stand up <laughs> <laughs> i would i i would bet that i would i would win against probably 95 percent so if it's striking or grappling but, you're kicking striking i i love striking man that's where that's where my heart's at right i, I love the, the, the i love i love the beauty of it i love the the technical aspect of it i i also love i love the violence of it right like it's really hard to just control somebody like you can in grappling. Like, chances are the bigger, stronger, more technical guy is going to just dominate their opponent in grappling. Like, striking, there's always a puncher's chance, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's true.
0: That's true.
1: Do you have a preference? I, I do. I'm striking. Striking all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, there's a big but on that, right? And, like, you know, standing grappling is probably close to me, right? Like jujitsu, chin-na, joint block techniques, and it kind of leads to why. Like, this is an interesting question to me: striking or grappling? Because I'm a striker, and I'm a, I'm probably striker striker in, in a sense, right? Like, and Can I
0: ask you a question real quick. Sure. So you were you just mentioned stand up uh, grappling? Mm-hmm. Would you put Would you put the clinch as part of striking, or would you put it part of grappling? Because they use the clinch in muay thai. They also use it in some kickboxing organizations. They even have they even have like a minor form of clinching in boxing. Do you mm-hmm. consider that striking or grappling or something else entirely? Uh, the clinch is kind of
1: the clinch is an exaggerated neutral position. I mean, if that makes sense, right? So. In in the context that I that it's used, it doesn't have in boxing. It doesn't really have much offensive position. It has some indirect defense defensive. You know what I mean? With, you know positioning. You yeah. can of course get hit while you're in a clinch, but of course it's limited because of the space and whatnot. Um, there in the art in arts that have infighting, you wouldn't necessarily have a clinch. What would create the clinch would be t- getting somebody tied up to where they could move. And you wouldn't necessarily need a big over clinch to do that. You know what I mean? But like from there, once you jam somebody up, you can change directions. To me, a clinch is like stopping the energy. Somebody's coming forward to, if you, you know, you want to change the momentum, you want to forcibly do it. The only thing you have is your body weight to use. So a clinch does that and you're shifting the momentum on some level. So, you know what I mean? I see the clinch like that. It's not really, it's more of, it's definitely a grapple based thing, but it's like, most basic like I, you know what i mean like i don't know if a grappler would be like oh this is a you know they probably would be like it's a grappling move but still
0: yeah i think the clinch is inter- interesting right because like grapplers they're usually big fans of clinching because mm-hmm. it's a really good way to get somebody off that center line and get the mm-hmm. takedown mm-hmm. but muay thai strikers are huge fans of the clinch as well mm-hmm. because they're able to really Hit you with those knees. Hit you with those Launch elbows. You know, yeah, really, control, really control your neck. Right, It'll totally pull you off that center line, and get you off balance. And so it's really used for both um, the boxing clinch, like not so much. You can't do much damage out of it. Like any damage you do do, is is very small, and it's usually coming out of the clinch. It's not in the clinch itself. But like muay thai and some kickboxing organizations, they really utilize the clinch. I've been watching a lot of kickboxing muay thai. And I really want to start developing a clinch game because it looks super cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, to, it's like one well, to me the clinch game. It's like if you let somebody get in that close, there's you know there's so there's so many things that are already said and implied about the the situation. You know what I mean? Like you know, like in a yeah, a real life situation, if somebody gets their arm, their wrist around your neck, your spine, like unless you asked for it to be there and you're using that to turn into something like. It's a really bad position um, to be in. In the prize fighting, you know what I mean. I don't see it used much for countering. You know what I mean. But that's in real life, like that's how I was taught to you. You know what I mean. Like it's you know that's the you, you use it to spring off or to surprise or you know what I mean. Like move somebody in one way and then you move a different way or something like that. Um, sorry, too. I'm I'm looking at I was I was that one before I lose this thought. I'm a striking guy, but the more I've gotten into striking, the more I've understood, like, the power of striking. Like, being able to strike well, you'd be able to do it from any distance. Range matters a lot in striking, right? And range and angles, you know what I mean? And when you get, the closer in you can get, just like the higher a kick is, the more leverage, the more power you can deliver on a smaller kick, on a lower level, angle kick. If you can kick up to your head, your your kick to the waist is going to be three times harder. You know what I mean? Um, so all this to say, um, you know, grappling requires a more comprehensive knowledge of the body, how it moves and how it operates in striking, because like locking up to, to, or to win in grappling, like you've got to control joints and you control multiple joints to control other ones. So like ultimately you're controlling the spine, right? Like if you don't control the spine, you know, you don't control, and you got to use these other joints to indirectly control the spine, and they all move in three dimensional. Or you know, it's different than just punching a hole in a wall, which you know, it's striking at its at the at its basic level. You know, is is that? And so I say that to say, you know, when you can incorporate the some of the subtlety, some aspects of grappling, it's calculus versus algebra to me. It's calculus versus geometry when you talk about what grappling requires at a masterful level versus striking if you can incorporate that into your striking you can do elite things so like i think it's interesting like some of the high level guys um izzy jones you know and still so if you notice their striking has a sticky component they look to touch and to make contact with the other person on some level even if the person gets a little bit of striking first they're reaching out though to make contact that light contact is you know it's it's the equivalent of what a grapple does. You can, you, you know, like it, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I like to fight standing up, you know what I mean? So I like, yeah, you know, the reason I like striking is because I like to fight standing up and it's like the first key to winning any fight is controlling the other person's balance. So, you know, if you're good, if getting if balance is the decay, like I like to do that standing up, that's just more fun, you know what I mean? But, you know, like I also understand like when I can use, when I can use, when I can strike in close and combine the fun of striking with all the angles of grappling while
0: standing up, I'm in heaven. Yeah, let's let's go a little more in depth in uh, close distance striking. Of okay. because we've touched we touched on it a lot the last three episodes. Yeah, yeah, we have, but but we just kind of touch on it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I definitely want to focus a little bit on it mm-hmm. since we have the time and since we're on the topic. Like I feel like fighting, all forms of fighting is all about control, right? Grappling mm-hmm. is about controlling, basically controlling by taking away that distance, taking away that balance. But long distance striking and close distance striking, they have two very distinct ways of controlling their opponent. Mm-hmm. You know, distance striking, you have you have the jab, you have keeping your opponent away, the lateral movement left to right. Whereas, like close distance striking, you control your opponent with head movement. A little bit of body movement. You know, it's less left to right movement and more front and back movement. Mm -hmm. It's getting in close, it's closing that distance without getting hit and doing heavy damage when you get there. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what is like the range you would consider close distance? Close distance to me
1: is within with the if hand if a person's arm is extended out you're inside their wrist your shoulders are inside their wrist so in other words if strikes are thrown you can't miss like you, you know what I mean like you're gonna get hit with something it's about whether you block it or not but you're the you com- dodging completely or not that you can't dodge from infighting position but you know what I mean like you're gonna be in the range of the punch no matter what whether it hits you or not is a different thing but like you're gonna be in range whereas in in regular punching range or regular striking range, you like, you can get out of the range. You can get outside the, the punch or you can be on the left or right of it. You know what I mean? But you don't really have that option in infighting. You, you're, you're in the range. It's just more left, right, you know?
0: Yeah. I feel like it's the distance that most adequate strikers would feel very uncomfortable if you were in there. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, I want to ask you, why is it that there are so many really good, talented strikers that feel so uncomfortable when you're in close like that?
1: Great question. Being in close requires a different uh, different leverage to generate power. The reason that it's challenging, the reason you don't see a lot of people that are good fighting in close is because most striking requires Going, you know, going, putting your weight on one side, and you know, loading up and then striking. Right, you load up on one side, you know, and then lean back and then strike. it. so, usually, you do that to do, you know, two things: is you know, you do add momentum, and you know, to gain, you know, to have leverage uh, when you when you launch whatever you're going to launch. And so, um, generating a lot of power from two feet back and then two feet forward you swing your arm and a haymaker all the way back and bringing it forward it's not hard gravity and weight will do that right but to generate that same amount of force in moving your arm one foot or six inches or one inch is a lot harder when you can do it though however right like you you still have that long power but you have that short power too you know um and so, forgive me. I think I lost the question too. Um, I got to get better at
0: these. So <laughs> it's, it's all good. I was asking why most uh, most really good strikers feel really uncomfortable when you're in close. On
1: you know, they 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 they're not taught to how to be in short spaces. The uh, I'm trying to think of there the, there's if I had visuals, if I had a screen, I could, it would work so much better. It's so easy to jam a a punch and there's a certain angle that um, that if your arm is like at an acute angle, you know, like under 45, like it's going to tend to fall back toward itself, right? Like that angle is going to, you know, the arm is going to go back towards itself and, and turn into a line. If it's over 45, it's going to tend to go the other way towards a 90 degree angle, right? And Every, you have several angles on your arm. You have one underneath your arm. You have one in between your elbow and your shoulder. You have one in between your wrist. You see what I'm saying? So if any one of those is off, you the whole thing gets pressed and jammed. If all of them are on, it's extremely strong. And the person on the other end doesn't know where that strength is coming from. And so learning, being, learning how to be aware of that, no matter how to train that, is a big part of learning how to fight in close. And your art has to have a language for that, has to have an understanding for that most of the arts that people learn striking from don't have that built into what they do. So like, how would you figure that out? Like how it would take a lot of trial and error, a lot of painful trial and error. And most people don't have time for that in today's day
0: and age. You know, I feel like strikers are very much like prima donnas almost. Mm -hmm. Not to be mean, but a lot of strikers I've known remind me of wide receivers in football. Yeah,
1: that's a great of arrows.
0: Yeah, like like they love they love not getting hit. They love getting the knockout. It's like a wide receiver going over the middle, man. They want to catch that touchdown. Do they want to take that hit though? Right. Usually right. Not. Really not. So I feel like a lot of strikers, they don't want to get hit. They don't want it to be a dirty fight. They want to get in, get out, make it clean, make it fast. When you make it dirty, they're not comfortable with that they don't practice it they don't train for it mm-hmm. even if they do it's all about getting away from that it's not so much engaging in that in close fighting
1: right right i think that's where an interesting dynamic occurs right cuz like like you said strikers have to fight the tendency to get away cuz a natural naturally you want to get away from the striker be out but you know strikers have to make themselves and learn how to press and continue, you know and add forward advantage grapplers have a natural forward because you cause you, how could you do anything if you can't touch, if you can't, you know? So you have to have a certain level of forward and they have to know how to hone that and control it, not be a bull and be just led by the horns and run into walls all over the place, right? And so infighting has an interesting combination of the two. When I learned Wing Chun, one of the things that, you one of the first principles you learn is forward pressure. Has to be, for you remember this too, Josh, like has to be forward pressure. If there's no forward pressure in your hands, no matter how good your technique is, it's it's worthless in a real fight because you won't know how to counter that force of someone coming in. And that's it. With an infighter, you have to assume that you have to assume you're dealing with the bull that wants to grapple you and stronger than you is going to grab you and break you over your knee. You mean like, and so uh, you know it's you know the the analogy of an infighter to me, if it, if they were a wide receiver, and I think that's a great analogy of like strikers being dreamed. it be like Antonio Brown. Like Antonio Brown is it be a good infight. Or PK Antonio Brown. He's in there in the mud, gets gets down and dirty, but can be gone. He can shake you. He can take a hit. He can take it to the house. You know what I mean? All of it from inside. You know what
0: I mean? See, I was thinking more TO. Like prime TO. Like, yeah, he was a, he was a prima donna, but TO had no problem going over the middle. The catch with infighting, though, is that.
1: Strength and speed, and this is why I think another reason why you don't see a lot of people good at it. Strength and speed won't necessarily help you on the inside the way that they will on the outside. Because on the inside, on the outside, you can use all the momentum, right? You can, you got, you can move back, you can move forward, you can swing. You have got space, and you need space to take advantage of length and or at least momentum. You know what I mean? But on the inside, you have to learn how to. To generate momentum in very small places, and that requires skill, because those aren't natural, intuitive angles that you'll find. You have to learn them, you have to practice them, you have to find the the a feeling that go. You know what I mean? There's a whole kind of intelligence that goes with that. And after a while, in the beginning, you just learn it and memorize it. After a while, you have to learn it at the point where you can feel it, where you're not thinking about it, where it becomes intuitive. And it's a different type of language, right? You, you you're very familiar with it, right? Like and so. Until that becomes a part of your body's regular way of moving and way of doing, it, it's hard to use it effectively. You know what I mean in a fight. So, you know, not only does do people have to get exposed to the language, they have to get immersed into it enough to actually use it in
0: real life, in real time. And you don't see yeah. that with fighting. Exactly, with the close fighting, it negates a lot of the athletic advantages that right. somebody might have. Right, because yeah, the, the close fighting is all about instincts and feel. Mm-hmm. And that's—I I learned a lot of that in Wing Chun. Like I got really comfortable up close. I got really comfortable feeling people and like mm-hmm. picking up little things instinctually. Mm-hmm. To the point that when I transitioned into becoming more serious in boxing, my coaches would yell at me. Right? Mm-hmm. I go out there and spar. Like Ortega, use your jab, use that length. What do you do? I just felt more comfortable on the inside. But <laughs> I felt—I felt, I felt my—I felt like my advantage on the inside was bigger than my advantage on the outside that's awesome yeah I had the close arms but you know like we were just talking about strikers aren't comfortable so right. if I close that distance I am comfortable <laughs> I got the advantage man you are beating them up inside I can
1: so <laughs> damn I wish I could see you in, I wish I could see around you far now like yeah. shit <laughs> man but yeah yeah that's that is a big that's a big piece of it I would say it's definitely taught me you know because I've studied a few in fighting you know arts that are specialized in fighting in close Serac um, Salat was one of them too and one thing that uh, defines these arts is they are developed with the, the, the intent to handle multiple opponents with a weapon in a very small confined space like worst case scenario, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, the people that worked on it, like they're, they're figuring out like, how do I emerge alive in these, in these scenarios? And so I think one of the things that it taught me is that like in the hierarchy of skills, right? Cause it takes skill to do that, right? Like that, that's, that is not luck, right? Um, it's taught me that in the hierarchy of skills, sensitivity really trumps speed and power. And that's something that, you know, looking on the outside, you see, the high level guys that do the stuff that looks like magic, you know, and like, how do you do that instead? And like and learning more and more, it's like, Oh, that's what it is. Like sensitivity is what it is. If I can feel your intent through a touch and I'm more skilled, I'll be at the place you, I'll be at the train station before you got there. I will already be there with your ticket. You know what I mean? Welcoming you on the train, you know, um, your speed won't matter. You know, if you're stronger and I can feel what you're doing, I can adjust by a tiny angle and jam your ability to put any power on the punch. You know, and so like infighting lets you turn that on and do that, but it's also hard. It's risky. It's harder on the ego. you got to, you know what I mean? You got to invest in It's it, it. It's one of those things I think, you know, we've talked about this before. I think it's the biggest hole in the UFC right now. I think it's the biggest space for opportunity. The same way grappling was once upon a time infighting is if you, if, if we start to see an influx, of people, not that just aren't comfortable in close, because there's some people that are comfortable in close, Fizia, Jones, you know, Izzy even, you know what I mean? There's people that are comfortable in close, but I'm talking about people that are really masterful and skillful in close with decent skills on the outside. You're going to see a revolution like in the UFC, you know? Um, I truly believe that, uh, but, you know, um, time will tell.
0: Yeah, a really good example of that is the uh, DC-Stipe fight. Mm. Like I, I remember that very clearly. Uh, DC versus Stepe too. Stipe's trying to get his belt back. DC did a really good job the first three rounds, just kind of like picking him apart. And then Stepe switched up his strategy. He started hitting him with this left body hook. Mm. DC had no idea what to do with it. Mm-hmm. He had no idea how to block it. He had no idea what. Yeah. And then and then he, DC crumbled less than a round later. At at the end of the day. Most fighting is a mentality. Right. You, you gotta you gotta have a different type of mentality, you gotta have a different type of feel. Right. But if you don't if you don't mind learning that, you can dirty up and you can dirty up the fight and gain such a huge advantage over most strikers.
1: That's so true Well, no, you made a great point with mindset. Like that in fighting mindset has a natural advantage over the regular range you know striking you know what I mean because the only thing like regular striking doesn't want to get close that's why it strikes to keep to knock you out and not get close and dirty not get in there like infighting wants to strike and wants to get it dirty so it's the one thing that's the you know what I mean the inherent insecurity of a striker is somebody getting in too close because too close means you can hit me and I can't throw my strikes infighters want to start from there you know what I mean and the The advantage that a mindset of a striker has over a grappler is that, like, oh, I can pick my point from out here. I can throw a rock and hit you. You know what I mean? Over here, you can fall. You won't even get close enough to touch me. You know what I mean? But like, you know, the where a grappler makes an infighter nervous if they can get them off their feet. If the grappler can get the infighter off their feet, now you've got something because now the great, you know, like the infighting has to translate in different direction. If the grappler can't. Than you want. And the reason why we haven't seen a lot of great infighters, because have, there have been people that have tried to take infighting styles, wing chun and whatnot, and get up there, but usually they're not well-rounded enough in other areas to do so. So, like, you have to have a really good route. You have to learn how to have a good horse. You have to learn how to sync. You have to learn how to control your balance at a, at a high level to be an effective infighter. And there's a lot of people that can do fancy demos, right, you know, with people in a park, but not necessarily hold up against, you know, real pressure, you know.
0: Yeah, you brought up uh, grappling. You brought up how grappling will make an infighter really nervous. Mm-hmm. Think about striking and grappling, a striker with no grappling experience, any sort of grappling is going to make them nervous. Yeah. A guy with two months of BJJ training is going to make a striker nervous. <laughs> <laughs> infighter, you know, outside fighter, doesn't matter. Like, if you close distance, take them off their feet. Like, the whole thing about striking is staying on your feet. If you could take it off your feet, right. it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Fight. Fight. So, for strikers, don't know how to stand up.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bro, I, I feel like i <laughs> like insulted strikers, ravelers. Fucking half the top 10 power for balance. Oh, so
1: that's what I'm talking about. That's the spirit of what we do, y'all. We inviting an ass whooping. If you want to whoop somebody's ass, you come find me because I need to ass whoop it. We're going to we'll do a bonus section on what it takes to be a warrior one of these things. It's going to start with
0: ass kids. <laughs> we, are, we are for sure going to do a little short podcast about, about what it means to be a warrior. Yeah. That'll... That'll be coming up next. going to start by getting your Steph
1: Curry, Jersey baby. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me at the Chase Center. Man. Hell yeah. I can't afford that, but I know, right? Like outside <laughs> the
0: Chase Center, right?
1: me <laughs> on the big screen outside. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. And we'll just tailgate right outside. Right. Right. <laughs> Remember the good old days when we could afford oracles. <laughs> man. Nobody knows what we're, we're losing. When they were losing. <laughs> <laughs> man. Hey, man, we had Monte Ellis. That was Mon- <laughs> we believed. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I 100% believed that year until, uh, until we met the Jazz. <laughs> I know. I was like, if we beat the Jazz, oh my god, that'd
1: be amazing that year. But that is, we got brought back to Herb, Durant, Carlos. They was like, nah, nah,
0: nah, nah, nah. <laughs> but hey, this was dope. We are we we yeah, yes. Send send everybody off, Neil. Hey, if you want to train
1: martial arts, if you want to just understand why fighters do what they do, or if you just want to listen to people talk about, like, fighting and martial arts and stuff. Like, keep checking us out. Find out how to send us a question. And I want to, like, hear from y'all. I want to, like, get a question, answer something. Like, something. Like, I the, the, we me and Josh love talking about this. And other people love talking about it, too. So, like, however we can get folks involved in the conversation, I want to do that. And I just had to say that before leaving.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Good man. I love it. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Signing off. to the next
1: ass whooping.